Scary Story Podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those just voyaging into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. We've all heard the tall tales and urban legends around the campfire. Some passed down from generation to generation, yet never with an actual eyewitness. But when faced with those terrible things yourself, you become a true believer. And if you can't convince anyone else, then you'll be forced to confront the danger alone. First, secret tragedies taunt in the night, followed by a canoeing catastrophe in the woods. Then, never look directly at the man on fire. Finally, in our featured story, a car that takes you right to hell. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. Visit patreon.com snarled. Your contributions make this show possible every week. So, want to hear something scary? Confront the danger. Intuition is a powerful tool, which if harnessed correctly, can keep us from harm. But used improperly, it can cause confusion, making us question who to trust. Like in this story inspired by Ishika. Growing up in India, people would say I was the spinning image of my grandmother, Nani. Although she passed before I was born, the photographs I've seen prove it to be true. But around my 16th birthday, I noticed that I didn't just resemble my Nani. I was her identical replica. It was so spot on, it made me uncomfortable when people would bring it up. I wanted to rebel against the idea of it, to be my own person. During this time, My parents were also struggling financially and we moved a lot. Each house smaller than the one before. I really hated moving. Between my attitude and puberty, I was a handful to deal with. By the time we ended up downtown, I was fed up. It was a one bedroom apartment and I would be sleeping on the living room couch. But that wasn't the worst of it. There were no windows in the place. No sunlight and the wallpaper was peeling. It was so cold and damp, it made my skin crawl. That night, 
I had my first panic attack, my first night terror, and my first nosebleed, all in one. It felt like something was pushing down on my chest. The nightmare was so vivid. I'd been looking into a mirror, and my dead Nani, as my reflection, reached out to me. She grabbed my hand and angrily pulled me into the mirror with her, where I was to remain forever, trapped. I awoke screaming, sweat dripping from my forehead, and my nose was bleeding. For the next five nights, the dreams repeated. On the sixth morning, having screamed myself awake as usual, I had gouged my face so deep with my nails I needed stitches. That brought matters to a head, and I heard my mother on the phone with someone begging for help. Within 48 hours, it had arrived. Her name was Nakoya. She was a friend of my mother's and had flown in from Africa. Dressed in spiritual garments, she had the most calming voice and presence, yet her eyes were heavy as if she had seen five lifetimes already. When my mother opened the door to let Nikoya in, she paused right before the threshold. She felt it too. Her eyes started around, seeing things we couldn't. Show me the girl. I stepped towards her. Nikoya's eyes met mine with terror. Then she grabbed my wrists and began chanting. I was confused, tried to pull away, but she held on tight. Eyes rolling back into her head, the chanting grew louder. I yelled for my mom, who ran to me, trying to break her vice-like grip. Nikoya, let go. You're scaring her. Her fingers strangled my wrists even tighter than... Silence. Locking eyes with me again, she placed her thumb in the middle of my forehead, where my third eye would be. Instantly, I fell to the floor, passed out. Shocking scenes passed through my mind, and in my unconscious state, I witnessed the tragic events that had befallen the previous tenants of this apartment. A husband beating his wife, ignoring her begging for him to stop. A baby screaming. The man reached into the crib, followed by a loud thud. The baby, then silent. The wife crawled to her baby, the dawning realization it would never cry again. In grief-driven rage, she grabs a knife and began stabbing her husband. Him choking her while being stabbed, tearing something within her throat. After several minutes, she asphyxiates leaving the evil man to bleed out. Three people died that night in the same apartment we lived in. I remember watching it all from the corner of the room, curled up on the floor, praying they couldn't see me. I wanted to close my eyes, block it out, but I couldn't. I began weeping and shaking, and then the bedroom door began to open. It was Nani reaching for me again, I screamed myself awake and Nikoya was rocking me, my mother holding my hand. I cried, we have to leave. I told them what had happened, but they apparently already knew. I'd been talking in my days. I reiterated we couldn't stay here, yet when I looked around, the room felt warm. 
it seemed clean, protected. I had never been so confused. Nikoya explained that I had to witness the lost souls in order for them to be released. The moment I spoke their truth out loud, they were able to move on. I was safe. Nikoya stood up to leave, but I had one more very important question. What about my nani? Smiling, Nikoya responded, There's nothing to fear when you look in the mirror. That's just your spirit guide. She will never hurt you. Thank you so much, Ashika, for inspiring this very spiritual tale for us. In particular, I enjoy the speaking the ghost's truth, being part of their unfinished business, that validation. Listener, is there anything spooky that happened in your house before you lived there? How closely do you resemble any of your relatives alive or dead? Do you believe that the presence of any of your relatives that have passed are watching over you? Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Being alone in the woods is extremely calming, but when you discover you're not alone, panic kicks in, as in this story inspired by Cherumoya. It was a crisp, humid evening in the Hockamock Swamp. I was canoeing in the water every night. When the kids at school found out, they thought I was crazy. The swamp is smack in the middle of the Bridgewater Triangle, an area in southeast Michigan that is supposedly chock-full of cryptids and other weird creatures. Legend had it that at night, it was Bigfoot territory. But I didn't believe in such childish nonsense. Even if such things were real, there was no way they could reach my canoe. At least, I hoped not. The air was thick with moisture as I paddled. Each movement sent me forward with a start. Usually, the smell of the water was pleasant that time of year. 
the scent of flowers carried throughout the air by the humidity filling your nostrils. But this time it was fruity, but not in a good way, more like cat litter. Then the stench became so acrid that I could taste the air as if it wafted all around me. What in the world could make such a stink? Maybe it was swamp gas or animal droppings. Scanning the tree line, I looked for clues. My eyes strained in the moonlight. As I was searching, a figure appeared in the shadows. It was huge, way too tall to be human, stick-thin and seemed bow-legged. I was creeped out, but I reasoned it must be some deformed tree or combination of vines and branches. Thus, I kept moving. Remember, I didn't believe in such rubbish. As I paddled forward, I caught movement in the corner of my eye. I quickly looked around and noticed the figure again, but it had moved. I kept going, my eyes on the figure to make sure they weren't playing tricks on me. My face contorted in horror as I realized that thing was moving with me. I paddled faster. I didn't let it out of my sight due to some morbid curiosity and now just the slightest hint of fear. The figure began getting closer to the riverbank and finally, I was able to see it clearly. Now, I was afraid. Its skin was wrinkly and its eyes were sunken dark to the point where you could barely see them. Fungus grew on its limbs and body, a wide, sinister smile with sharp, bloody teeth. And the worst part was it began to wade towards me. Wasting no time, I threw every ounce of strength into paddling the canoe, not caring what direction I was heading. I usually finished at the park building along the river and walked back, This time, I'd run. The thing moved through the water with ease and great speed. Drag wasn't an issue, and it was tall enough for the upper body to be dry as it came for me, mumbling noises that eventually turned into chanting. I was horrified. Why couldn't it have been a Bigfoot? Whatever this was, wasn't natural, wasn't some mutated animal. This creature was born of Satan's maw. Seeing the park building, I paddled harder, banking the canoe and running for dear life. The thing gave chase, gnashing its teeth together, emitting a horrid sound. When I finally reached the road, the creature stopped, as if somehow tethered to the swamp. I paused breathlessly and looked back at it. It croaked before disappearing back into the murky waters. I didn't bother waiting to see if it was truly gone. I just ran home. No one believed me when I told them what happened, except a few kids at school who strongly heeded my warning to stay away from the Hockamock Swamp. The same kids, of course, who had initially thought I was crazy. 
That all happened a long time ago, and I still haven't set foot back there. I ended up moving from Michigan, but if you ever find yourself in the area, beware of the Hockamock demon. It'll be waiting for you. Thank you so much, Cherimoya. Feels like it's been a little bit since we had a horror story that took place in a swamp. A listener, would you go out into the woods alone? Or how about a swamp canoeing at night? Have you ever countered a Bigfoot or something even more terrifying? Tell us all about your experience at somethingscary@snarl.com. We all know our elders tell us stories to help us, but when their advice is literally the difference between life and death, we had better pay attention. As in this story inspired by Pierre Anne. Everything terrified me when I was younger, from loud noises to snakes to my own shadow. As I lay in bed at night, my mind would go wild inventing the nightmarish situations I might encounter. But no imagined situation would prepare me for this particularly chilling and strange encounter. My gran lived with us in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. She used to keep my older sister Nadia and I awake way past bedtime, telling us stories of her past. Although a wonderful orator, the thing about Gran was she never told a lie. When I was seven years old, she regaled us with a story about a man, Mate Minui. Translated directly from Creole, it means Master Midnight. In the Haitian culture, it is said that he was, as his name described, the maker of the nightfall, the bearer of the nighttime darkness. He was a monstrously tall man with legs two floors high who walked around towns at midnight, snatching up and eating people who were still outside. On moonless nights, he would appear choosing to reveal himself to you or not. Was he evil? I didn't know. Did he really kill and feed off of human flesh? Not sure. All that I remember was Gran instructing us we should never face him if our paths ever crossed. She hesitated when I asked why, finally saying, She used to hide in her yard with friends when she was younger, trying to catch Mate Minui. Until one night, their wish was granted, and from afar, they saw him, tall and covered in flames. He hadn't seen her, but had spotted her friend. Gran trailed off, saying, Some things are better left a mystery. She paused for a while, as if debating whether to elaborate, then whispered, I never saw my friend again after that. Our session had ended on a sad note that night. After the story, I drifted off into a deep sleep. Upon waking, I was alone. Looking around the small room I shared with my sister, 
I saw her asleep as usual on the top bunk. Yet Gran was nowhere to be found, which was odd since she'd usually squeeze in one of the beds with us. I got up to search for her. She seemed so shaken and sad after the story of her missing friend. I crept along the hallway when a bright, fiery light caught my eye, making me squint. There was no electrical power in the house, so I figured it must have been a candle my mother probably lit. But soon I realized everybody else was in a very deep slumber. The light was reflecting on all the windows. I was scared, but also had to see where it was coming from. Quiet as a mouse, on all fours, I followed the light. It led me to the living room where I found Gran, fast asleep. The light was accompanied by a crackling sound as if someone had started a huge fire in our yard, and through the wall, I could feel a close heat. I crept closer to the door, my skin almost burning. I leaned in just enough to look through the keyhole, and what I saw left me speechless. There was a freakishly tall man with legs like stilts staring at the house his eyes brighter than the sun. The flashing caused me to fall back and retreat fast, my hands covering my mouth to muffle my gasps. Did he see me? Did the Matminui see me? I heard a noise, like a door opening, and then silence. Then the light started to fade, the heat retracting. With shaking hands, I managed to look discreetly through the keyhole again. He had his back to me now, taking wide, slow steps away from my house. I sighed in relief, but suddenly he stopped, turned back and grinned. In his arms was my sister, Nadia, passed out cold. She'd snuck down after me, had caught sight of him from the door and for some terrible reason had opened it stepping outside, outside where the Mat Minui had snatched her up. I stood, frozen in shock, watching him turn back around, striding away and preparing to feast on her flesh. Thank you so much, Pierre-Anne, for sharing and inspiring this tale with us. I would love for us to have more urban legends and folklore that comes out of Haiti. Are there any scary stories your grandparents have shared with you? Do you believe them? How far would you go to find out if an urban legend is true? A new job and a new car are rites of passage for most teenagers. But for some, these symbols of freedom may actually trap you inside your worst nightmare. When I was 16, my dad bought me my first car. It was an old beat-up Honda with 150,000 miles on it that his friend Jack Delaney sold him for next to nothing. A crappy car for others, maybe, but it meant freedom to me. 
I'd started my first waitressing job in town and often worked late nights. The car meant my parents no longer had to chauffeur me around. After a long shift one evening, I got into the Honda and headed home. The roads were still fairly busy despite the hour. Then, something caught my eye in the rearview mirror. Sitting in the back seat was a teenager around my age with electric red hair. She was looking out the window, entranced by the passing headlights. My hands were frozen around the steering wheel, eyes back on the road. When I glanced into the mirror again, she was gone. I floored it home, parked the car, and immediately ran inside to tell my dad what I had seen. He went straight out and checked the car. He brushed it off as a figment of my imagination. Late night driving can do that, he said. I went to bed that night more curious than scared. Perhaps my dad was right, and it was all in my head. But the next night, it happened again, same as before. She seemed to like the passing headlights and was sad when the road was empty. We never spoke a word. The next few journeys were the same. I can't explain why, but I wasn't scared. It was like she just came with the car. And that's when it hit me. There was a way to find out more about my mysterious passenger. The following morning, I drove to Mr. Delaney's house. He was in his garage when I pulled up. And as soon as he saw the Honda, his mouth dropped open and his hands began to shake. I parked and thanked him for giving my dad such a great deal, then asked why he had sold it for so little. Yes, it was old, but it still ran really well. He stammered a while, but then told me about his daughter, Rosaline, how she had started hearing strange voices and seemed to be losing her mind. One night, she had taken the Honda without his permission and gotten into a terrible accident. She was killed instantly. Yet apart from the windshield she had ended up flying through, the vehicle had been unscathed. However, after it was fixed, seeing it parked in the driveway day after day was too painful. He was happy to be rid of it. I left the Delaney's, not any closer to figuring out how Rosaline was connected to the car, but thought her dad must be exaggerating about losing her mind. That night, I was driving around running errands for my parents, when she appeared again. This time, I spoke as passing headlights faded out of sight. Rosaline, why do you stare at the headlights? Were they the last thing you saw? She looked over at me, startled, as if noticing me for the first time. She made direct eye contact, and in a soft voice, she replied, Yes, they're also the last thing that you'll see. Suddenly, she lunged over the seat, grabbing onto the steering wheel, and in a flash, I saw headlights coming straight towards us. I wrestled the wheel out of her hands, plunging us headfirst into a nearby tree. I shakenly got out of the car. There was smoke everywhere. The front had been caved in, the windshield shattered, and I had cuts all over my face and body. Everything hurt. I looked in the back seat, and thankfully, she was gone. As I slowly walked away from the totaled Honda and back to the street in the sound of sirens, I thought about Rosaline. I hoped she would find peace now, wherever she was. Two weeks later, a brand new mini SUV appeared in the drive. The exact car I told my dad I'd always wanted. He tossed me the keys so I could take it for a spin. 
as I was making turns around the block, blaring the radio, checking out all the new dials and gadgets, I looked in the rearview mirror and it was empty. I felt a huge relief. That was until I looked at the passenger seat. It was Rosaline. She didn't say a word, just sat looking out the window, staring at the cars passing by. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Janine Pipe, and Sarah Lukasiewicz. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Lenderman. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Hannah Mullen and Markia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Lenderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com slash snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings. Sweet dreams. <laughs>